correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Good evening, Steve. And we have a very important guest, but before we get to that, let's go ahead and talk about our podcast for the week, Genesis Archive. Yes, the Genesis Archives, another podcast found here on the D20 Radio Network. And uh, Genesis Archive, as you might guess, uh, well, tends to the Genesis RPG system. It's an actual play podcast. Most of what they have released thus far, if not everything, because I'm sadly behind in my podcast listening, has been in their, uh, well, their, their own created setting called The Unseen World, which is a mythologically based modern fantasy setting set in Las Vegas. You know, lots of tie-ins to folklore and all kinds of stuff like that. So it's really, really cool. Very good uh, role play. Very good. We actually had their GM, Jonathan, on a long, long time ago. I do not remember the episode number. Yeah, it's been quite a while at this point, talking about their setting and everything. It's really awesome. Yeah. And you can actually also buy the setting on the Foundry on DriveThruRPG. Mm-hmm. He has a setting book out. So uh, you can check that out if you want. And the podcast is really cool. And of course, there's all sorts of other great podcasts and blog content and all that other fun stuff. Just check out d20radio.com and you can find it all there. Also, just uh, mentioning drive-through, uh, well, I was very surprised today when I opened my web browser and got a completely different look that didn't look like it was from 20 years ago, as that <laughs> has updated <laughs> uh, apparently today. Finally, they've been, they've been talking about it for so long. Yeah, yeah. And also, I do want to let people know, if anyone by chance, and I don't know when the changes happen, my game of the week that I mentioned in last week's episode, when I was trying to put the episode together, write the show notes and everything, apparently the author had temporarily pulled it down. So there's a possibility someone could have tried to click it and it basically worked as a dead link. As of today, it is back up, so you can find an age, or the Age of Blood and Gold if you want to look for it. You can now find that again, and the link the link works from last week's show notes. So, that housekeeping out of the way, you <laughs> mentioned we have a guest. Yes, and you've met our guest in person, so I see it's only fit that you introduce him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So our guest this week is uh, Anthony Domenico, also known around Discord circles as Librarian NPC. I did indeed meet Anthony at PGX last week, or a week and a half ago now, I guess it is, almost two weeks. He's a, a local game designer, and uh, also has a Kickstarter going. So uh, welcome to me and Steve Anthony. Thank you for the warm welcome. So I guess I forgot to tell you this when I was telling you all about the show. <laughs> Think of the show as the conversation you have after a game session. So feel free to wander and tangent and just gamer geek talk. It's the whole and thing, right? You're just letting the ADHD weasel just have fun there. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that you hit the nail on the head. So <laughs> that's dangerous. <laughs> uh, so here's the way this works. As my understanding, Steve, you have been diagnosed with ADHD, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. I have not. I have never been tested. 
by all accounts, I exhibit the majority of the symptoms. <laughs> so I don't say that I have it only because I've not officially been diagnosed, but I show evidence. <laughs> yeah, this will be a dangerous session now, won't it? Oh, it always is. So yeah, oh, um, on. I actually, well, I had seen you on one Discord server that we're on together, and then a couple months ago, I was at Retrograde Gaming and Collectibles, mm-hmm. and the owner was like, hey, here, take a couple copies of this. There's a guy he's from this area. Uh, here's a couple of his games. I'd like to, you know, take a look at him, see what you think. And so he gave me uh, Gas Bashers and Dualities, and I forget what your, your third one is. Uh, data Drivers. Data, okay. And so I started reading Gas Bashers. And, I mean, look, from the title, you can guess what it is, right? But I like it a lot. And then when I ran into you last week, I found out you actually, because opening day of a convention is not enough chaos, you were doing something else exactly at the same time. Yeah, I, I tend to just go all in. I don't, uh, I don't go in by halves on anything in my life. I decided to launch the uh, Kickstarter for my newest game uh, called Wea Boomers on the first day of PGX. That was <laughs> chaos. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure it was <laughs> to just launch it and then be like, I got to deal with both of these things now. Yup. Yeah, my, uh, I got to deal with people coming up to my booth to, uh, to talk nerd and buy stuff while my phone was going off with all the bots saying, <laughs> hey, we can get more eyes on your project. Just pay us money dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's too many of those. I, if those all went away tomorrow, I don't think anybody would complain. I would not complain in the least. I would actually go celebrate. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, social media is wonderful until you turn all the notifications on and then your damn phone won't shut up. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, my my phone could have been a uh, a KitchenAid mixer by the end of the day. Did you at least have a way to charge it while you were there? Oh yeah, yeah. I I always have way too many batteries at a con. What what type of con person do you think right. I am? I mean, I, look, I'll be perfectly honest. <laughs> PGX this year was technically my third con ever. So that's fair. I've been doing cons in some capacity since two thousand nine. So I'm <laughs> I'm old hand at this point. I, I feel you. I've I've been there. I was a, f- a frequent at our at the Pittsburgh Anime Convention, Teco. Yeah. Um I did that yeah. for a long, long time. So I know it's like you you're like pack the con bag. What's the con bag? Well that's where all the deodorant lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean also remember I did the NPC at Teco from like Oh yeah, that's right. Like... You were the NPC. I yeah. completely forgot about that. Yeah, so no, I don't kid when I say I've been doing it for a while. Yeah, I I understand. Uh, well, knowing that you are are uh, such a big anime fan, I I'm glad to to see that you have this project in place. It looks really awesome. I'll just say that right off the top. I'm uh, glad I, to hear I was that. hooked by the the tagline on your your signage because oh the. Uh... It's an art, anime-inspired RPG for anime fans with uh, moderate joint pain yes. and depression. Was that, was yes, that the tagline yes. you're referencing? <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, yeah, I was playing a lot of uh, Snipe the Nerd and uh, Self Callout at the same time. This project is a lot of that. As someone who has uh, had both hips replaced, I can attest to the joint pain element. So, yeah, where do you want to start with 
you know, this, your game design, philosophies, any of it. I mean, where do you want to go? I mean, do you have a place that uh, you all like to start from besides the beginning and then I have to start with the Big Bang Theory? Or, you know, do you actually have a specific spot you all like to begin with? Um, well, I will say this. I, one of the things I liked about Gas Bashers, so this is a way to start sideways, uh, right. is the fact that it is D12-based. Because... And, yeah. <laughs> The detail just doesn't that. get enough love. It does not. I do love my uh, my lonely, underappreciated die, which is why I wrote gas. Well, one of the many reasons why I wrote gas bashers in the first place, and why uh, data drivers can use d12s, and why Wea Boomers is only d12. Okay. Because yeah, I I like the 12 cider. Uh, it's not as swingy as a D20, and it uh, has a slightly wider variance than a D10, and I just get to have fun with it. Well, and I know, like, you were telling me when we were talking at the convention, and, and Steve is a bigger anime fan than I am, but part of the reason you wanted to use the system, that you, you, and you told me briefly about it, was that it, it gave you access to the number 13 coming up. Which apparently, and I've never noticed this, but is a frequent theme in many anime. In a lot of anime in the uh, 80s and 90s and some of the early 2000s, uh, you would notice that a lot of anime had 13 episodes or a number of episodes divisible by 13. And, uh, yeah, that was just like the expectation. So when I was putting this game together, I decided that uh, 13 had to play a role somehow. So while people who are used to like powered by the apocalypse games and the 2d6 would look at the table and say, well, this looks slightly familiar. The big difference is going to come about because it's 2d12 instead. And it includes criticals that are going to be divisible by 13. Why? Because why not? Chaos <laughs> reigns. <laughs> well, now, and I'm, I'm only going to ask this because I know, for example, cult divinity lost calls itself a Powered by the Apocalypse game, but uses D10s, mm. and they modified the ranges. Now, again, based off what you just said and, and, you know, the short conversation we got to have amidst the convention, you kind of took the bones of Powered by the Apocalypse and went off your own way. Uh, I always like to look at it and my first game that uh, I wrote with a co-author uh, that we called Niche. Uh, I like to say that we like to play with uh, Powered by the Apocalypse DNA, where we could take some core elements of it. In this case, your, um, you know, just your range of uh, like, here's your uh, here's your die roll. Here's your table compared to the table and you're done. But then everything else in the game just goes off the rails, like how you get your modifiers uh, in um Niche, you're actually able to add additional D6s to your pool, depending on the circumstances and what you're doing. In Wea Boomers, there are ways to get additional D12s added and kept into the pool. And, uh, of course, re-rolls, a uh, bunch of other, like, you know, plus ones or plus twos. And just otherwise, just interesting ways to alter your modifiers to get to whatever point you're trying to get to. One thing I've always hated about Powered by the Apocalypse was the move system. So I just threw it out. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in that boat where it's just, you know, I like, uh, I like tweaking games. And when I find something that I like, I try to build from it. And in this case, I took a game that I really was tired of, found something cool and said, all right, 
I could still play with this. Okay. And since I was already working on other D12 games, it was pretty easy to uh, to take some of the other systems I was already building and bolt them onto this and get a you know clean result at the end. Okay, so it's it's a it's apocalypse adjacent is the best way I would describe it. Okay, so in other words, for people who are used to playing powered by the apocalypse games, it's not going to feel foreign. You know, it's not going to feel and I and I know a lot of people who are really only familiar with apocalypse games that get really confused by kind of your traditional mm-hmm. systems. So this is somewhere in the middle? Uh, I guess you could say that. It's it basically, I took uh, the things I loved about games like Cortex, uh, Powered by the Apocalypse, Fate, and uh, mixed them together with a lot of my own uh, just designs over the years of doing, you know, game reviews and just reading and playing games and said, all right, what's this going to be? So it's, again, it, I don't know if it's really in between anything, just because it's it falls into what I like to do with my game design, which is quirky games with uh, quirky mechanics and recognizable themes. Okay, okay. That's, that's how I usually pitch every game from Pithy Productions, is a, you know, quirky game and quirky mechanics with recognizable themes. You know, you've already mentioned, uh, well, we've, we're talking about Wii Boomers right now, and it's a you know a little homage to 80s, 90s, and early 2000s anime and the older anime fans that love it. Gas Bashers is your D12-powered comedy horror inspired exactly by what you think. Data Drivers was my love letter to Reboot and Tron. And Dualities was my card-powered game of shape-changing heroes so I could have magical girls, werewolves, and billionaire playboy philanthropists with 500 suits of power armor all at the same playing field and not have any issues with the balance. So I think we could be good friends. I think Uh, (laughs) based on our, our overlapping. So as you're talking about old nineties anime, and then you're talking about data drivers and that being reboot and Tron mixed together. I'm like, I, I I think this is the kind of person that I like. (laughs) I either we're going to become best friends or we're going to end up uh, trying to murder each other because there could be only one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I think this is awesome. Um, man, we a boomers is, is something. <sighs> it's something it, that idea is such a great. Well, I, I, I love the idea of it. I love an homage to the, to the good old, or some people might call it the bad old days of anime. You know, there, there's a lot of great older anime. There's oh, yeah. a lot of really not good older anime. Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, we should probably go ahead and uh, mention like what exactly the premise for We Boomers is because we've been mentioning the name, but we haven't right. really mentioned what it, you know, what the smeg this is. Right. So, We Boomers is a again, it's a D12 powered role playing game inspired by uh, Japanese anime from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, and the anime fans that grew up with it. Specifically. You weren't given your anime call to adventure as a teenager. You weren't a 13-year-old magical girl with a talking animal. You weren't a 16-year-old with five hot aliens living with you. And you weren't 18 when you unlocked some cool key powers. Instead, that talking animal shows up at your door with your transformation device when you're 30 after the HOA meeting. The uh, the five hot aliens literally crash into your one-bedroom apartment when you're 42. And you still got to get up for your shift in a couple hours. The uh, the key powers didn't unlock until your yearly review meeting in your 50s. 
we're talking, you know, you get your anime call to adventure as a much older person, but you now have to juggle all of this new power with the day-to-day that you're still stuck dealing with. You can't just quit your job and be an anime protagonist because there's just too much going on for you to do that. So now you're stuck here trying to deal with the obligatory adulting responsibilities of HOAs, credit scores, you know, kids with, you know, uh, your marriage or failing, uh, failing marriage, as the case may be for some people, um, you know, and your typical nine to five or gig work while going out and saving the world. And good luck. Uh, so it, it utilizes a, a number of different uh, systems to move this forward to be as tongue-in-cheek as possible. It is definitely a comedy game, not to be taken seriously. But you can ramp up the drama as you see fit, because we know there was a ton of anime drama in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. But comedy is the way to go. Well, I just love the fact that you... And, and Steve and I have talked about this a little bit recently. You know, I my gaming background was largely traditional games. You know, I started with mm-hmm. Wag Star Wars, Call of Cthulhu, then some actually second edition D&D and so on. And at, you know, back then was kind of when White Wolf was starting to hit big. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I didn't get what they were doing. I didn't understand that they were trying to make it about social things and internal struggles of the character, etc. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of bounced off that a little bit then. I mean, I played a fair amount of it, but I didn't get the concept. Fast forward to recently, we have played a number of, in our, in our kind of weekly, you know, sessions, whatever, these little one page or 200 word RPG challenge games mm-hmm. that are very, very light on rules but very strong on theme. And I've realized just how much fun that can be. And mm-hmm. it feels like specifically with this, but also in, in reading some of gas bashers, you really lean into the themes hard. I do. My goal again, with besides the recognizable themes, I also love having a game that I could hand to somebody in the morning and by that evening they should be able to be comfortable enough to run the game for their friends and also more than likely have everything they need in order to play like dualities uh when i wrote that for uh zine quest i gave myself the challenge twofold challenge i wanted a game that could be you know quick easy to pick up to cover that whole range that i mentioned before like magical girl and all the power armor and everything else but i also wanted a game where ten dollars was everything you needed to play So here's a $5 book. You go over to your local dollar store and pick up a pack of playing cards, a pack of pencils, and a pack of note cards. That is everything you need to play the game right there. Note cards are your character sheet, pencils for obvious reasons, playing cards are your randomizer. You can now play a role-playing game and tell your stories of the craziest things you can come up with with just 10 bucks. So you don't need three hardcover core rule books, a battle map, an army of minis, and enough dice to uh, block up a highway. You know, it, that, that was my goal with that one. You'll see me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at if the call out. The, there's literally a stack of gaming books in the chair next to me that's, you know, well, I can't oh, hold my hands that far apart on camera. I, I, I have no room to judge. I mean, you know, I have my handle librarian NPC for a reason. I've collected <laughs> my fair share of RPGs. 
So no, zero judgment. But you know, just to go on though, uh, data drivers. When I wrote that, I uh, created what I called the binary die system, uh, which is one of the few times a binary is actually good. You're looking for odds and evens, zeros and ones, and literally any even-sided object can get the job done. So if you have a fistful of coins, you are ready to play data drivers and. Gas bashers, I, when I wrote that, I wanted to, again, have that quirkiness, but also still be accessible. You don't roll any more than five 12-sided dice. So if you have 5d12 on the table, that's it. That is all you need, as long as everyone's willing to share. Like, I wanted something accessible for the people that don't have the money to buy games. Because let's face it, we're all broke nerds. And, we, <laughs> and if you're not a broke nerd right now, you probably were a broke nerd at least at one point in your life. And we all we all remember those days. And this is my way of, you know, being what I needed when I was just getting into the hobby. You know, here's a toolkit. Here's a way to afford it and have fun. Well, that's cool. I, I, I like that kind of design philosophy, if you will. I mean, what else do you want to talk about? I, I, I love the the idea of of what you've got going here with We Are Boomers. Were there specific anime that were kind of in mind when you were thinking about this well the uh one of the obligatory ones is of course all the magical girl anime like sailor moon and if you look at the cover for we boomers you will definitely see the sailor moon nods like right off the bat between color scheme and the fact that there's a magical girl or as i like to joke your sailor wine mom because that is a bottle of wine peeking out from the diaper bag because you know there's plenty of wine moms out there <laughs> Uh, so that, you know, uh, that was one major inspiration, uh, the Dragon Ball series, you know, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z were little nods. I, I even have some tongue in cheek nods to things like, um, uh, like the devil is a part timer, which is more current, but it's still, it's still that little nod of here's your protagonist working a job that is very unlikely. And I also do some other like, you know, tongue in cheek nods to, uh, like mostly just in text to some other anime like Ninja Scroll and things like that. Like it's, it's mostly inspired by your typical slice of life comedy with some superpower animes. So things like um, Tenchi Moyo, Ah My Goddess, a uh, little bit of the earlier Isekai stuff like Inuyasha, and uh, like the old Toonami block was a huge mm. inspiration for this because let's face it, a large number of us grew up with the Toonami block. And that that really did shape a number of Japanese anime fans. So, like, you know, gotta pay respect to uh, to where a lot of us started. So pulled a lot from that. But really, it's just, I, I just bounced around through all the different anime, as well as the Japanese pop culture I'm a fan of, including uh, Super Sentai and Kamen Rider. So there's some that's... nods to uh, some of those projects, some of those uh, series in the book as well. That's cool. That's cool. I, I really dig that because I was going to be, I, I was sort of excited when you said that because I'm like, that means that the references are going to be great. And that means that I'm going to be able to play like, I'm sure you have plans for playing characters that are more Sentai-ish or more, yeah. you know, magical girl in a way or however you want to run that. I'm really excited to see the book. <laughs> I'm really excited to see that. So, so, so if it helps you with that, um, so most people who are used to playing Powered by the Apocalypse games are used to seeing a playbook. Mm -hmm. You do not have that in We Are Boomers. Okay. A lot of tabletop gamers are also used to seeing classes and levels. You also do not have those in We Are Boomers. When you build your character, 
you have your overall concept of what are you, which, you know, pulling uh, the high concept or high aspect element of fate, just because it's good to know who are you, what are you, who moved the rock, you know, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But at the same time, you know, you have a collection of what are called perks and quirks. Perks are the things you have going for you, whether it is, you know, you were the, uh, the star of your football team that won the winning football uh, goal in the uh, the late seventies, or it could be that you know you have a steady paycheck due to really good freelance gigs. So those could be interesting perks. But then you also have quirks, like you're working in a dead end uh, job as a shoe salesman, or you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you have uh, kids or an ongoing divorce or whatever other like thing is wrong in your life could be tied into there. And again, it gives people a chance to do some self call out and self exploration or just add comedy to their own stressful lives, which hi, I'm guilty of that myself. But then after you build who you are, you build up a collection of different powers that you've unlocked and powers have three tiers. You have your special effects, which are your baseline. This lets me do something impossible. So if we're looking at like Yu Yu Hakusho, how Yusuke has the ability to use a spirit gun, that goes into a special effect, like how he can uh, have some uh, manipulation of spirit energy. Uh, while like the spirit gun itself could be ramped up to be what we call the signature move, which is like your big finishing move or your big superpower that usually takes a lot out of you to do it. So again, you start, start your special effects. These are things that let you do impossible things and you know are mostly there for background noise, for lack of a better term, but they still let things happen. And then you have uh, your secondary tier of powers, which I'm blanking on the name because I'm blanking on names. I'm also in like a wonderful haze of day quill lately. So, you know, post con crud is a thing. <laughs> so pardon the uh, the coughing and whatnot, but still alive. That said, uh, the second tier of powers, these actually add a bonus to your role as long as the power is relevant to what you're doing. And then your signatures actually let you roll additional 12 sided dice. So in the case of like, if you wanted to be a magical girl, your special effects could be your transformation to, you know, hide your identity and whatnot. And, you know, to unlock your other magical powers, uh, it could be that you're tied to the element of fire and it could be that you, uh, you know, have like, you know, some other minor magical enhancement of whatever you want to pick, even if it's just your talking animal. Okay. Those are three things that are usually impossible for other people. And then you just build up from there. If you're a like a Sentai character, you can do the same thing. You got your transformation. You have whatever your signature, you know, your special weapon is, which could go in either tier. And then you have whatever crazy power you're given. Because let's face it, in Common Rider, you have themes going on. Like, uh, you know, I was I've been watching Common Rider build lately, and that's a lot of sciency uh, moves that are happening there. Uh, I'm a big fan of wizard and saber. So it's like, here's different types of magic that are just unlocked for your character, things like that. Like I wanted to just open up the doors and let people say, all right, this is what I have. This is what I want to do. And it's also great for the convention game where you sit down, people show up in cosplay and say, all right, tell me three things you love about yourself. Tell me three things you hate about your life and tell me the powers of the character you're dressed as you now have a character. Let's play. That sounds really, really cool. Those those sessions were always a hoot. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I have to say, most of my, especially back 
in my college days, most of my anime viewing was more actiony stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the original Ghost in the Shell. Oh yeah, uh, some of that stuff. You know, I've gone back more recently and watched Bubblegum Crisis and, and some of that. I never and and then I went through a period in my life too where I kind of denied my nerddom. Uh, <laughs> that never ends well for anybody. No, I finally I just gave up. But but I never got into a lot of these more slice of life slice of lifestyle animes per se. Mm-hmm. You know, now hearing some of this, I, I actually I want to go back and and check some of it out in the spare time that I don't have. But <laughs> that's a mood. You know, like. My my list of things that I want to watch way too long, but I just I love the fact that you're leaning so hard on the just do the thing, mm-hmm. you know, like and I know that that sounds incredibly vague, but like I feel like if you get the game, you know what the thing is it's... and that's all you need to do. Like we played a game and Steve didn't get to participate in it. 200 word RPG challenge played a game called heavy metal wizard sorcerers. Got that one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you're familiar with it. Yes. I am familiar with that one. It was so much fun, even though there's just, there's nothing to it on paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, like we ended up, I mean, we involved, uh, Taylor Swift, pink, you know, uh, Ronnie uh, Pink doing a cover of Dio's Rainbow in the Dark. <laughs> you know, just all sorts of, of of craziness. You know, and but you just lean into the themes and go where it takes you, and it feels like mm-hmm. that's exactly what you're shooting for, but with a little more oomph behind it, as opposed to you know, obviously, Heavy Metal Wizard Torchers is, is this little you know half a page blurb. I like to uh, I like to basically just give people the empty cardboard boxes so they can do whatever they want with them. And from there, uh, just give them some guidelines of things that they can do with this particular cardboard box. Or here's some tools to be able to really unlock the potential of this particular box, because not every box is made equal. I feel like this is the sticker set you play with cardboard boxes with. You know, you're not wrong. Here's the sticker, some stickers, and some magic markers. There's some boxes. Go have fun. Because <laughs> I think just about everyone that is listening to this, and probably everybody here right now, uh, we've all done our fair share of pretend in a cardboard box and cut them open or drawn on them or done other things with them to, you know, to go ahead and to help us tell the story that we had in our head didn't matter what that story was but there was a story it had to come out and the cardboard box was the tool we'd use to do it i'm doing that with rpgs that's my goal every time i write a new game is yes you know i want a recognizable theme that people can grok on and gravitate towards and have fun with but i also want it to be open enough that could step outside of that theme if they really want to so while yes we of boomers is specifically a nod to your 80s and 90s and early 2000s anime I do want people to like lean outside of that with some of the more modern stuff. Uh, you know, I do want to give people the nod of, yes, this could, this could be an isekai or a super sentai or an Ultraman. If you really want to get squirrely, like I want people to just look at this and go, what can I do? I even had one guy uh, lean in on comic book characters cause he wasn't an anime fan. Okay. We can make that work. And that's, that's what we did. So it's the idea of like, you know, here's your cardboard box. Do whatever you want with it. There's no wrong way to do it. I'm just giving you the means to do it. 
Yeah, well, this feels like, and you just mentioned comic book. I don't know the comics so much as I remember the old animated series, but the tick feels like a mm-hmm. character that would be extremely at home or, or, you know, Arthur, anything, you know, that, that feels very thematic towards this. Mm-hmm. I could see that, <laughs> you know, that I, I kind of, cause... well, especially with the fact that like everything in that was so hodgepodge, <laughs> you know, like there were very few, like, you know, coinciding themes, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you know, it's like, yes, Arthur was more of a moth and the tick is, you know, a tick. But, you know, you had so many random villains, they had almost nothing coinciding theme-wise, if I'm remembering correctly, because it's been a hot minute since I've seen anything relating to the tick. Yeah, I, I just remember, like, the tick, in a way, was felt like a, a cartoon version of Monty Python that was trying to have a focus. <laughs> I. You know, I think I can I can get behind that idea. Like there was a lot of satire there, but it was so deep that it wasn't always apparent. I I I think my favorite version of the tick is the Patrick Warburton live action version. I still have yet to see that. So good. It's so good. He plays such a great tick. Like as much as the animated one was really good, I really like that live action one. And it it very much fits into that. Like you're an adult and also a superhero because there are many <laughs> characters that are dealing with the I got to go to the DMV, but I'm supposed to be on patrol today. So we're going to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yep, exactly. So now I, I will ask you just as someone who's not as familiar with some of your inspiration material here, do you have kind of setting kernels or, or you know what I'm saying? Like, do you have kind of like little primer things in this or is it strictly just theme and and system? Uh, There are going to be some kernels. You know, it's mostly I'm cleaning them up to actually be readable by other humans besides my brain and the weird bullet list that I operate in because, you know, ADHD, here, here. we do all of our index cards and uh, sticky notes. So, <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, the uh, the core setting for We Boomers is what would happen if we we're in our current world as is 2023, and you got your anime call to adventure as well as a bunch of other people. So, like, certain elements of an anime world are now bleeding into this world. So, magical girls now exist. Yeah, you know, giant monsters are now able to attack Earth once in a while like you know it's not like the every week thing like you see on the uh the shows but it's still the idea of like it's there so now you're in a world that has to adapt to the idea like anime life is a real thing and now you have heroes just like how um if you looked at like the new 52 when that launched years ago for dc how there was like an entire arc of the justice league where heroes are now a brand new thing how does the world respond So you Mm -hmm. could tell a story like that, but of course you could scale that story as, you know, silly or as uh, serious as you want. Ideally, you jump it ahead a little bit and say like, you know, last year is when it started to happen. And now, you know, you just got your calling. So the world's already used to it. Now you're just part of it. But again, it's up to the up to the group to decide where they want to take that. Uh, But the core idea is anime is bleeding into our world and you now have to deal with the ramifications of it. Okay. And from there, you know, it's it's a matter of what do you want to do? Are you trying to undo it all? You're trying to emphasize it. 
and there are some samples in there like you know is this an a, a multiversal encroachment is this a you know a parallel world situation is this a you know somebody's altering the fabric of reality like what is it like there's going to be some options given if i can get the page count to work uh you know because i gotta make choices with a uh a finished print product for obvious reasons but you know it's just the idea of it's baseline our world with anime bleeding into it and what happens from there but outside of that there's other options such as you know, you are in our world and just get dropped into another world, whether it's, you know, your typical modern day anime or another like fantasy world or even just getting uh, abducted by the space police. And now you're a new member, uh, you know, give you options to make some alterations to the responsibility mechanic in order to still have that responsibility system. So you still have that tongue in cheek. Oh, great. I got to go take care of my shift while still having the uh, the various adventures and whatnot. Uh, so, you know, there's some isekai notes in there, and there's also a... Um, uh, how did I word that one? So there's the isekai, the standard, you know, anime bleeding into our world. Oh, living in an anime world as a side character, and then suddenly getting your protagonist called to adventure at that later age. So it'd be like, you know... It'd be like watching Tenchi Moyo, and in reality, it's Tenchi's dad that gets called into the adventure and not Tenchi. You know, it'd be like, you know, watching Sailor Moon, and it's Usagi's mom that gets called in, not Usagi. Yeah, like that sort of thing, where it's like you have these adult, middle-aged, or older people roped in to do things. While still, you know, they already have their life settled, ready to go, but now they gotta juggle it all. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I... I... Like, I, I really like it. I just, I feel bad that I, I'm not as familiar with your inspirations as I feel like I should be. <laughs> Honestly, like, if, just even like general anime fans, like I've run into people at cons that I pitch the game to. And there's some people that are in my age bracket that when I drop those old references, they're like, oh my God, that's perfect. I love it. And then others where I'll go ahead and I'll say something like, Tenchi Moyo, what's that? Um, you know, <laughs> uh -huh. You know, I'll I'll mention like some of the other uh, stuff like Cowboy Bebop and Outlaw Star. What are those? And then when I go ahead and I like, all right, all right, fine. You know what? Let's let's go ahead and try something a little more modern. How about Spy Family? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh yeah, I know Spy Family. I'm like, okay, here's how certain elements of Spy Family can actually work in Wea Boomers because it is a very good example. There, you have these two older characters that are now your protagonists, and they you know have their own special capabilities. And they have their responsibilities, like their day job or their cover job, as the case may be. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a kid they're responsible for. Like, it just, it, it really is a good play out for a slice of life, how we boomers could actually play out. Mm -hmm. Well, you could even take it, I don't know, have you seen Kuro Makuro? Kuro Makuro? I don't I think believe it's on so. Netflix. It's, it's a vaguely mech-based, but it's, it. Yeah, you, you, I'm not going to spoil it for everyone that hasn't seen it. It's I thought it was pretty good, but I could see you doing that. Although in this case, and I don't remember the character's name now, but um, you'd be like the girl's mom instead of the girl that got tied into everything, which in this case would actually be hilarious because the mother is already tied into the story just on a different mm -hmm. level. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's really funny. I I think it adds a really fun complexity to everything, and it definitely makes it stand out from a lot of the other 
anime-esque tabletop RPGs I've seen. Yeah, because a lot of the other anime-esque RPGs I've seen, like OVA, uh, Big Eyes, Small Mouth, you know, like uh, the uh, the 5e hacks and everything else like that, they always lean into the, here's your moderately high-powered character, or at mm-hmm. least a powerful character, uh, who is a teenager ready to go off on their grand adventure. You know, here's here's your ten year old. Here's a rat that fits inside of a ball. Now go fight other people with rats and balls. That's what I was just gonna say. Everybody is Ash Ketchum. Everybody, yeah. everybody is Ash Ketchum. Everybody is Sailor Moon. Everybody mm-hmm. is uh, Tenchi. Everybody is God. My my brain's just like running through, and it's just like all of the like you know the high school protagonist or middle school protagonists, and then. Oh, man. You know, when you finally run into a character that's older, you know, you're looking at the side characters of Evangelion, you're looking at uh, the cast of Outlaw Star or Cowboy Bebop, but the majority of uh, anime characters you run into, they're all teenagers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, 18 is old woman for most of these people. <laughs> they're like, a, a full, fully middle-aged uh, Cowboy Bebop could be hilarious. I mean, technically, Cowboy Bebop is already at that point. Yeah, you know, but but now it's just you know, uh, uh, crank it up to an eleven. Well, I'm saying like, like you know, like to me the 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 main characters, I would say they're maybe thirty. I'm thinking you know forty five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like make them push their forties and fifties and go from there. Yeah, I could the definitely Cowboy see Bebop that. Beats, um, though, what was the the stupid um action series that was where Which they had one? the tank and the plane? In the second the Expendables? Version. Yes. Okay. I was going to say, because oh, there's Red, there's Retired and Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, a... no, I, I was thinking, like, like Cowboy Bebop meets the Expendables. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah. That doesn't sound like a good time. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like I... a good time to live it, but it would be an amazing time to watch. The first thing that popped into my head is Sylvester Stallone as Spike Spiegel. God. But, oh, but no, I, I think the thing is, though, you've hit onto something with this is that and, and I've had this discussion when we've talked about horror gaming and, and why people like it. And I think sometimes it's the opportunity to make those suboptimal choices that you always wanted to and not have to pay the consequence. Mm-hmm. And when what you've built here is is a framework in which you can poke fun at the life you have to live. And, like, do the things that, you know, you can tell your boss to go whatever himself or, or you know, whatever. Like, you can kind of vicariously do some of those things while poking fun at the responsibilities that we all know too well. And also the other things we do in order to live that life. Like, uh, one of the pieces of art that uh, I just got in last week portrays a line of people in line at a coffee shop to get coffee before they go off to work again at the front of the line is your magical girl but then you have like other anime protagonists like tucked in there with you know communicators or magic sigils or things like that and it's just you know they're all in line getting their coffee are they going off to save the world are they going to their day job because you know when uh when you have to work until five, but you got to go ahead and defeat the negaverse at five thirty, you know you just show up in uniform and call it good. Yeah, you know, like what what are we seeing here? So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what I'm doing with uh, some of the pieces of art that we're we're trying to get into the book, which is why the Kickstarter goal is as large as it is. 
Okay. Well, since we're headed that direction, do you want to talk about your tiers and, and what people would need to invest if they want to back this? You know, because that varies a lot from Kickstarter to Kickstarter. It, it does. Well, I'm going to go ahead and just get the uh, the elephant, uh, you know, called out in the room that I do have a large goal set for this Kickstarter. Uh, I do know a couple of people who've done Kickstarters in the past have uh, started to give me flack because they say that my my goal is too high. And I remind them that uh, I'm actually paying my artists. I'm actually, you know, I'm paying people and not doing the predatory practices that I see way too often in RPG circles. So I'm not uh, I'm not looking at an artist saying, make me a full page piece of art and I'm only going to give you a hundred bucks and you have no rights to it. No, they're they're all getting paid properly. And some of them are paying more than what they're asking me for because they're criminally undercharging themselves. And, uh, you know, after that, they also keep the rights to whatever art they make. So I'm basically leasing the art because I figure if they're working on art for this book, they should be paid enough to be able to, like, you know, I don't know, pay their rent instead of, you know, instead of saying, well, I'm just, you know, going to make 20 bucks on this and I'll live on the exposure. No, I don't play that game. So uh, of that $15,000 goal, about 6000 of that is going to be going right into artists' pockets, and about 6000 of that goes right to the printer, and that other three is going to cover taxes, fees, and uh, ISBN. So I don't get anything out of it until this thing sells like substantially. But if I don't make that goal, then I can't pay the artist, which means I won't be publishing because I pay people before the work is done. So that's the that that's the big obligatory thing. I know a lot of people look at that and say, well, why do you need so much money? And it's because I'm trying to do this ethically. You know, that's one thing I take pride on with Pithy Productions is we make sure everybody gets paid. And that's that's where I go. So with that elephant out of the way, uh, there's a handful of different ways you can go with uh, Wea Boomers. Uh, you could start off with our basic $5 digital streamer tier, which nets you a PDF copy of the book. Uh, but I've also introduced what I call the binger tiers, which would give you copies of every other game that I have published under the Pithy Productions banner. So at $15, you would actually get the Wea Boomers PDF as well as uh, Gas Bashers, Data Drivers, and Dualities. And uh, digital uh, rewards are going to be sent through DriveThruRPG as well as Itch.io. So if you're not a fan of DriveThru, then you got the Itch.io code. If you love everything in your DriveThruRPG collection, then you got it there. If you want to redeem DriveThru and then gift the Itch.io code to somebody else at your table that couldn't back, go for it. I just want people out there playing games and loving what they do. Uh, then we get into the physical side of things, which is the uh, basic soft cover book is a $20 investment. Uh, digital copies are included with that. And the hardcover is $30, but again, PDF is included. I've also included uh, the, uh, the Binger for soft cover edition at 45 That gives you print copies of all of my books. And uh, there's also the hardcover book with the Binger at 55 But here's where we get a little bit unique. One of the tiers is called the Dress Kit. Uh, for this Kickstarter, in addition to the book itself, I will be making a collection of dice bags that are big enough to hold the book, as well as bookmarks from upcycled kimono fabric. So instead of this material sitting in a landfill, I am turning it into something really cool and uh, useful 
and it still like adds to that unique uh, Japanese anime nod of its kimono fabric. Uh, those are limited right now uh, because I need to make sure I have enough fabric to go beyond the number I've set. Uh, but that is a $50 backing tier. There's also retailer bundles to allow uh, the your friendly local gaming shop to carry copies of the book. Uh, then we get into the uh, the biggest tiers, uh, which are the fanfic creator and the master weeaboomer. Your fanfic creator is a $300 investment, which lets you create a character of your choosing, which will be drawn by one of our artists, and will also plug in a one to two page blurb to go with whatever character you've designed. Uh, stats and everything else will also be included because that's how I always like to do these. Uh, there are six of them currently left in the uh, the running. That also includes the hardcover book bag and the bookmark. Your Master Weeaboomer tier is the most expensive at 500 which lets you basically drop an entire world on me, and we will do a full-page piece of art that will go into the book. Of that 500 the majority of that's going right to the artist. Because, again, you know, full-page art, and I pay my artists. That's cool. I, I, I like, you know, to hear. I know... Um... Yeah, I've heard of one other publisher that that lets the artist retain their rights to the art uh, when they use it off the top of my head. You know, there may be others that I've talked to, but I only know of one other that comes to mind. Uh, And it's always good to see someone out there supporting their fellow creatives in their own projects. You know, I I just want to be the uh, the change I want to see in the world. And this is one of the ways I can do it. Will uh, will it succeed and uh, net me a million bucks? Probably not. But if I can make enough to survive and support my fellow creatives, then I'll call that a win. Well, I, I, I think Chris Spivey told us one of the things that someone told him early on when he got into game design was, you know, what's the best way to make a million dollars in game design? Start with two. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, but no, and, and, and that's the thing. You know, to to digress a little bit here, the thing that I've discovered doing this podcast and talking to, you know, the just the variety of creators that we have, man, so many of of these RPG creators, they're not doing it. Yes, they they want to make enough money that they're not wasting their time, mm-hmm. but they're doing it because they love it. Oh yeah, you know, they're doing and, it because you know, like, yeah, one thing that sticks in my mind. Uh, when we talked with Jay Little, who created the narrative dice system from FFG Star Wars, the initiative system in that that game is rather unique. And Jay told us, he said it it all happened because he was at a D and D session and he was playing the cleric and he rolled the first initiative. And he's like, "But I'm a healer. There's no one hurt for me to heal." Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, I'm writing a game. I can fix this problem. <laughs> you know, and and, and yes. You know, even at that, you know, he was a, a, I think at that stage, you know, a full-time game designer, but you you know what I mean? That, that statement, that story is, is the passion behind it. And the fact that yes, he was doing it to get paid, but he loves doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's a happy coincidence that he could make money doing it, I think from his, his perspective. And I feel like, you know, that, that sentiment is a lot more prevalent, especially in the small indie design community, you know, where it's, it's really just about, Hey, look, I want to make this cool stuff and have other people enjoy it. That's exactly the case. I've, I've given out more copies of my games than I have sold. 
because I want people to actually play the game. You know, like I've I've sent out a far more copies of Gas Bashers in print to people who said they would give reviews and have never given a review. Uh, I have uh, given them to local shops just so that way they could hand them off to other people and say, you know, go try this game out. And like, I do not go through a con without sending at least one free copy of a PDF off somewhere. In fact, uh, between uh, TsubasaCon and uh, PGX, I think I gave out like eight copies of Data Drivers just because I still have some uh, first printings of that, which have some typos. But it's still the idea of like I'm putting games in people's hands to let them tell the stories they want to tell. Mm -hmm. And we're all broke nerds. <laughs> well, right. And and that that struck such a chord with me when you said that, because and, and well, I'm going to give you a minute. In a, in a little bit here to talk about the other side of Pithy Productions, but you know, I got so put off by Fourth Ed D and D because it almost required the use of minis, and I started gaming as a broke ass college student, and we played Theater of the Mind because we were all broke college students, and mm -hmm. yeah, somebody may have had a few minis, but most of us didn't. Oh. I remember those days, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and look, I mean, no disrespect to anyone who is really into minis and, and that style of gaming, right? There's nothing at all wrong with that. Nothing I at all. think minis painting is the people who can paint well are, are freaking amazing. Okay. Great. I wish I could. It's, it's another thing that I keep thinking about getting into, but I know how obsessive my personality is and mm -hmm. it's a, it's a hill I don't want to fall off of. <laughs> oh no i i feel that i got into mini painting at a uh rough time of my life where like i really went like head first into it it was like right as my divorce was uh really driving my uh myself it was just really just ruining my life at that point it's just a really rough patch and i got into mini painting because it was an artistic endeavor that i could see visible results and there's just something therapeutic about sitting there painting minis so i I get that. You know, it's very easy to fall in that rabbit hole and go, oh crap, where'd the day go? Mm -hmm. Oh, and like I said, I know my personality is such that I do. And again, I think this is amongst the, to call, you know, as we've called ourselves, the gamer nerd community, we tend to be very obsessive and, and just dive all in on whatever the thing is. And most of us have 17 things that we dove into wholeheartedly and now we haven't touched them for five years but they're all in the closet have... because yep. we want to get back to it and that's just one closet <laughs> right right <laughs> but uh yeah this this is a uh a good segue into the other side of pithy productions uh so i again i do game design that's what i'm passionate about i love doing that but uh my former partner uh when uh, I first started my business, she was giving me some uh, input and advice because she was she's had her business for years before I even started. And she said that uh, obviously one book is not going to fill the table. I'm like, I know I got to come up with other things. So she had a spare 3D printer, threw it at me and said, go learn. So next thing I knew, I uh, found some royalty free files uh, and, you know, or Creative Commons uh, attribution license that were still okay for commercial use. Like, you know, like Miguel Zavala, Zavala, I always forget his last name, MZ4250 
on most uh, socials. You know, like he has a wonderful collection that people could do whatever they want with. But like, you know, grab some of his stuff. I started getting some licenses on Patreon and I just started printing fan art of pop culture as 3D minis. And now I can let people come to my booth. We get to talk nerd because I have pop culture stuff. And if they are a tabletop nerd, great. They can get a mini of their favorite character or their favorite villain that they always wanted to punch in the face and bring that home to play at their game. Or if they don't do any type of tabletop, then they could still find something pop culture based that they could pick up, paint and put on their table to be a decoration as they see fit. So I, I do quite a bit of 3D printing as a way to uh, fill in the rest of my table space. And then, you know, just that basically pays my rent so I can keep going. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's a space that I would love to be more involved in. And I, I just haven't haven't taken the plunge yet. <laughs> it, it is definitely a uh, a plunge in and of itself. There's quite the learning curve. And when you want to sell, you know, it gets really dicey because you need to obviously have permission from the artist to, to sell if you want to stay on the up and up. And I, again, as you've heard me say about paying my artists before, I like to keep everything on the up and up. So if an artist says, yeah, you could sell at cons, but not on your website, then I don't sell on my website. If they say you can print and sell this figure, but not this one, then that's what I do. You know, at the end of the day, we're all just trying to make a buck and survive. So why should I interfere with theirs? Mm -hmm. So uh, you have a website for, for Pithy Productions then? It is just simply pithy-productions.com. Uh, I'm still working on getting all of the minis uploaded because moving definitely made me prioritize where things were. And my priority was move, get the printer set up, and then start doing all those back-to-back -back cons I've been doing since, you know, mid-July. That's a run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, uh, I did uh, Charcon, uh, attended Teco to do some outreach for uh, finding artists for Weeaboomers, uh, helped out with some SCA stuff, uh, did Huntington Comic and Toy Con, had a weekend off. Let's see. Then it was the West Virginia PopCon. Then I was helping out at the Pittsburgh Renaissance Festival for basically all of the other weeks leading up to PGX. And then uh, after PGX, I had three days to restock as much as I could in printing and then get on the road for SubasaCon in uh, Charleston, West Virginia. And then I came back here and just died for a couple days. <laughs> Thus, thus my statement of I'm in like a day quill haze because I, you know, all those events I've been doing, the con crud has probably been lingering and I was just too stupid to let it kick in. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, I had a bout with a, a con crud or a cold or something last week. So yeah, yeah mostly ugh. through it now, but it's not fun. So, but yeah, so I'm, I've been like going nonstop. So the website has suffered a little bit. Uh, but I have added a couple new artists that do uh, video games and anime and, uh, you know, as minis. And even though my games don't emphasize the use of minis, uh, there are some ways to utilize minis in my game. So it's just nice being able to carry them with my games. And then if you don't want to use them for my games or if you can't because the rules aren't there for it, well, guess what? Go ahead, grab them for your favorite game. We're playing pretend anyway. Who needs a rule book? Right? <laughs> Who needs rules? <laughs> but, uh, all right. Well, I mean, anything else? Um, 
you want to say about We Are Boomers, your other games, or anything else you want to plug while you're here, aside from what you already mentioned? Honestly, I think that's really the the gist of it. I just uh, throw myself into my game design. I'm trying to get We Are Boomers to uh, be a printed reality. If it doesn't succeed, I'll find another way later. And uh, if you are a fan of tabletop minis, drop me a line. I will be more than happy to figure out, do I have something or can I find something to either get you the game that you want or the mini you want? Because that's that's what we do here, right? <laughs> that sounds really, really cool. Uh, Steve, you have any further questions or... No, I think I think all of my questions have pretty much been answered. So <laughs> I, I usually am pretty good at that, where I just tend to know what people are about to ask and say, here you go. I'm like the best and the worst person to interview. <laughs> well, Steve and I have a running joke that despite the fact that we don't do any sort of prep for these interviews, I somehow managed to ask all the questions Steve was going to. He does. He does beat <laughs> me to that. I, t- I, will be like, okay, I'm going to ask him this, 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 and this. And then Steve will go, so what about this, that, this, and the other thing? Huh. So that's but, just rude. Well, it's life. <laughs> it is. It is life. With all that being said, let's go ahead and move into Game of the Week. Woohoo! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! All right, so we've briefed you on the rule for Game of the Week. But uh, would you like one of us to go first and then you can join in at some point later so you get a kind of a feel for how we do it or I'd, I'd like one of you to go first just so I can actually hear what all you throw in with the name. Just okay. because, you know, that will help me, you know, know what I'm saying here. All right. Well, you want to go first, Steve, or would you like me to? Uh, why don't you go first? All right. So this week I'm going to I found this. It's a. Another little game um, will set you back all of four ninety five for the PDF, for the, the, the core of the game, if you will, and a game called Black Star from Lakeside Games. Now, reading the blurb, it says, Darkness has fallen over the galaxy. The once noble Galactic Imperium now serves only the Grand Imperator in his inner circle, but the galaxy is vast. While the core of the worlds may be caught in the Imperium's grip, many more exist beyond the galactic core, so on and so forth. So... It feels to me kind of like, and, and looking at the artwork on the cover, and let me throw you guys a link in the green room just so you can see it. It looks kind of like a cartoon slash anime hybrid of Star Wars, but I'm sensing a little bit of 40K somewhere in this too. I don't yeah, know if that's I've, just me, but... I've sort of looked past, well, not looked past this, but looked at it a couple times and never really used it, just not something that i was like oh i'm gonna grab this but it looks really cool you know i mean it's it's five bucks they do have a supplement out called the black star companion which would be all of another five bucks which is additional rules and information for the game so for 10 bucks you get all the things plus there's some adventures and so on and so forth says it uses um you know pretty simple light rules engine you know, in fact, it, it claims to be a rules-light sci-fi role-playing game you can carry around in your pocket uh, using what they're calling the Furious Games Engine. So I don't know exactly what it is, but it doesn't look like it's going to be that complicated. It feels like it just wants you to, to lean into the themes and have a good time, mm-hmm. which sometimes, as much as some of us like our granularity and our bonus to this and bonus to that and blah, 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 sometimes it's fun to 
try and do the thing that you know you're going to fail at because it's just fun. And you, you know what I mean? Like, like it's not about having the bonuses and, and, and everything. It's about doing the thing and seeing what happens. And mm-hmm. this feels like a game that, that wants you to do that. So yeah, that's going to be mine. It's called Black Star. That's, that's a good choice. So Steve, would you like to go next or you want to put me on the spot? Uh, I want to put you on the spot just for that. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. I thought we were friends, man. <laughs> All right. So what I'll throw in is um one that uh, actually just arrived for me this week called uh, Fabula Ultima. Oh yeah, I've heard of this. So I I was looking at it a while ago and finally uh, pulled the trigger to uh, to get the uh, get the book. Uh, you know, I've been waiting for it to finally be released in the U.S. as a physical print and not just a PDF got the PDF for it, uh, you know, as part of the bundle and was flipping through it. And it's like, yeah, this is, this is exactly what I was hoping for. Fabula Ultima is what I like to jokingly say with my friends is the final fantasy tabletop role-playing game with the serial numbers filed off. <laughs> Even the name Fabula Ultima final fantasy. Yeah. It's, it's very much, uh, it's very much like that. The game hits all the checkboxes that I would expect out of the old JRPGs of the NES and SNES era, and even some of the PlayStation era. Uh, you know, turn-based combat. Uh, you don't have, um, you don't need battle maps. It's literally like you know your actual encounter of, okay, this is what I'm fighting. That's it. You're not worrying about location or elevation or anything else like that. It's just, you know, here's your enemy. Go. Uh, you know, you gain powers as you level up, and even the stat blocks look like they were pulled from an old, uh, like, Brady Games strategy guide. Cool. You know, it's like, here's your picture of your uh, monster and all of its slow abilities, and, it's like, it really was a throwback to the old Brady Games or Prima strategy guides from the uh, the 90s and early 2000s. Like, it just it hit all those checkboxes. It hit the right, uh, the right notes for me and what I've read of it so far. Uh, when I pitched it to a couple friends, we're all like, okay, so are we going to revisit the old Final Fantasy IV game that we started all those years ago? Uh, are we going to start hacking this for Breath of Fire? Because we've been itching for that for a while. Like, we're talking about all these classic era, you know, golden era RPGs and going, are we going to revisit those settings? So, you know, yeah. Uh, until the uh, the official Final Fantasy fourteen RPG comes out and I get my grubby mitts on that to see how good or bad that is, Fabula Ultima is going to be my my uh, JRPG as a tabletop RPG choice. That sounds cool. Actually, the very first D&D campaign I was ever a part of started as a Dark Sun campaign. Okay. But somehow we then ported into the world of, and I'm going by the American release title here, Final Fantasy III, the Super NES one with the Espers mm-hmm. and all that. Yep. So that, you know, this kind of falls into that stuff. Yeah, you should you should definitely look into it if you are a fan of the you know NES and SNES RPGs and some of the you know even like the PlayStation era uh, you know like early Final Fantasies on the PlayStation or the Breath of Fire series on PlayStation like that sort of thing. If you just loved your turn-based RPGs, that is a game that you really need to pick up. It just hits all the nostalgia notes and just fantastic from what I've gotten through so far. That sounds really, really cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, moving from that to one that they just dropped recently, um, October 3rd is when this released. It's a game called Hellborn. 
I'll link you in the green room here so you guys can check that out. Okay. So it is uh, um, set in a version of Hell overrun with advanced technology. Hellborn is a game of mercenary action, diabolic crime, and second chances. Reading over the description, looking into it a little bit more, this is like uh, somewhere between Hell Knight and like some of the Doom demons. It, mm-hmm. it, it it's really kind of neat mixed of like cyberpunk demon death metal like it, it's got all the things that check the boxes <laughs> but this looks really cool uh all of 2471 to get it in pdf and it's by studio hex uh authors are alcus ferndelli and edward uh gabriel schuler so pretty cool stuff there yeah, that looks interesting. Like, I, I get really what does. you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, the description that they have up isn't great, but it's very evocative at the same time. No. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it it's, they don't have any pictures out yet. I mean, it's still, we're just, we're now at the 13th. So it's only been up for 10 days. So <laughs> some mm-hmm. of their drive through stuff isn't fully completed yet. But eh, that's life. It seems really cool, though. Yeah, well, they do have the uh, the quick preview, so you could see the first twenty pages. Oh, do they? Yeah. Where? So uh, the 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 art. More is... info. Where do you see that at? And through RPG. Hmm. Right. I'm just. I'm not familiar yeah. with the new website yet. I'm looking for yeah. where the preview just, thing is. Just underneath the cover, I see a little link that says "Quick Preview." Oh, I don't have. I that. don't have that link. <laughs> huh. That is weird. I'm wondering if maybe it's something because I'm assuming you have a publisher's account. I'm not even logged in. I am legitimately not logged in right now. But I'll just hmm. drop the uh, the link into the green room for you here. Okay. There we go. Uh, That'll work. Just that way you can see the uh, the little demo section there. Yeah. There we go. Uh, but yeah, like the, the art I'm seeing here uh, reminds me a bit of like Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, I, I feel that. It's got a very Darkest Dungeon vibe and... I don't know. I like it. I I just I dig it. Yeah, I think. No, it's I get cool. that. It yeah. is. Yeah, it it definitely has its appeal. <laughs> yeah, it does. It looks it looks really cool. And I'm not saying it is a bad thing that it reminds me of Darkest Dungeon. I'm just saying that's the uh, that's the initial vibe I get out of it. Yeah. Oh, very yeah. awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking with us today. Um, talking about We Boomers and everything that you've really worked on. Uh, <laughs> Again, we'll have the links to that in the description down below, along with Facebook, Discord, Twitter. Honestly, any links to anything that we've talked about today will be down there as far as games and such. Uh, As always, links, uh, we just said that. As always, we (laughs) want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Uh, And just before I sign off, uh, about another, when this airs, what, about three and a half weeks to go on this, probably? Because this will air Tuesday. Uh, yeah, about that. Uh, let's see. Well, wait, we're at, uh, as of recording right screen. now. Yeah, same. So, yeah, it will actually run until November 11th. I okay. wanted to give it enough time to run through uh, all the conventions, the streams that I'm running, or part of over this month, as well as AkataCon next month. So I wanted to give it enough time to get through every con before I had it, you know, at the end. Okay. Well, very, very cool. So, yeah, as Steve said, you know, 
be kind to each other, play some RPGs, and take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast. On Discord at Me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. Retro, yeah. Retrogate gaming. Ret- I cannot speak this hard. evening. Words are Retro- hard. <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>